And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. And I'd love to hear from listeners. Shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Or leave me a voicemail on the vent line at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, have you got your buy orders in this morning? The, uh, the Dow Jones fell uh, three and a half points yesterday. It was, it was down almost 1,000 points on the Dow and about 110 points on the S&P 500. But as they say, buy low and sell high, and you can't, uh, you can't buy low and sell high if you don't buy low first. So the question is going to be whether or not you think uh, that this is a good buying opportunity and that, or that the market is going to continue to fall further and create even better buying opportunities. Now I've got, uh, you know, it, it, the Dow is down on uh, these fears of the coronavirus that has uh, gotten everybody in in a panic, and I I would argue, um, very rightly so. But I also have little doubt that at some point um, we're going to come up with a vaccine for this, and of course we've got spring coming. And that normally uh, pretty much ends the flu season, and it, it appears that this coronavirus spreads uh, very similar to the flu. So the the cases and the infection rate ought to go down and at least give uh, the medical uh, labs a chance to come up with uh, some effective vaccines. The problem is, of course, uh, just like the flu, this coronavirus continues to mutate and they're going to have to uh, try to come up with a, a new vaccine uh, to continue to stay out ahead of it. So uh, the the reason that the that the market is is in such a panic is because uh, we we've become so dependent on China uh, to source our goods and as part of the supply chain, even for the goods that we manufacture here in the United States. And uh, China is uh, is trying to keep a lid on it. They've got about 13 million people under quarantine in China now, and that's uh, that's you know even considering what they're probably underreporting. They're claiming the mortality rate now is about two percent, which would put it right in line with uh, the seasonal flu. And that was after I saw early reports that the Mortality rate was closer to 14%. There's a story out of Iran that that the uh, mortality rate there is closer to 18%. That's official figures out of Iran. You obviously can't believe anything you read out of Iran, but um, we also uh, I'm also not yet buying that the mortality rate is uh, is two percent. So last night on Tucker, 
Um, they had a guest on named Stephen Moser. Stephen Moser is a longtime critic of of uh, the Chinese communist dictatorship, and he's published an article in the New York Post in which he he explores the possibility that the origination of this coronavirus was not from that wet market food source in Wuhan, but in fact from that uh, that bio lab located just 20 miles away from that wet market. And he, he had an excellent interview on, on Tucker's show last night. And then when I, when I went this morning to get a clip of it to play for you, I discovered that Fox News has scrubbed that interview from uh, from his show. The place where the interview appeared last night has now been filled with coverage from Trump's visit to India. So somebody over there at corporate has decided for whatever reason, it may be that they thought it was uh, too inflammatory. It may be that uh, the Murdochs don't want to anger uh, the the communist dictatorship in China and suffer the economic consequences from doing that. So I can't bring you um, a clip of the of the interview, but I can read you and refer you to this article that Stephen Moser wrote in the New York Post. Um, he he says at an emergency meeting in Beijing held last Friday. Wuhan has done. Pardon me for that. At an emergency meeting in Beijing held last Friday, Chinese leader Xi, Xi Jinping spoke about the need to contain the coronavirus and to set up a system to prevent similar epidemics in the future. A national system to control biosecurity risks must be put in place, he said, to protect the people's health because lab security is national security. So the point Moser was making last night on Tucker is that uh, China has, in fact, admitted now through their statements referring to the need to crack down on, uh, on lab security that that was the source of this virus. G didn't actually admit that the coronavirus is, um, is escaped from one of these bio research labs. But the very next day after he made that initial statement, evidence emerged suggesting that this is exactly what happened. As the Chinese Ministry of Science and Technology re- released a new directive titled Instructions on Strengthening Biosecurity Management in Microbiology Labs that Handle Advanced Viruses Like the Novel Coronavirus. So I'll say that again. The very next day after Xi Jinping made his statements about uh, lab security being national security, the Chinese Ministry of Science and Technology released a new directive and that directive was titled Instructions on Strengthening Biosecurity Management in Microbiology Labs that Handle Advanced Viruses Like the Novel Coronavirus. So it appears to me that they're giving a tacit admission there that that was the source of this virus. I think I know why Mosier uh, was was uh, censored off of Tucker's show because at one point he pointed out that how, how this virus could have escaped was that 
employees there at the lab could have taken animals out of them and sold them at this wet market where they eat, um, you know, wild animals uh, for extra income. Maybe that 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 was deemed too insulting to the uh, the Murdoch's Chinese masters in China. But I'll say again, if you're not familiar with it, uh, Wuhan is the home to China's only level four microbiology lab. It would have been similar to uh, a uh, a pandemic beginning around the corner from the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia. It would, of course, uh, be logical to to suspect at least and probably assume that that was the source. But um, the question is now, where does the market go? I think uh, more than anything, this whole episode is illustrating the fact that Donald Trump's uh, policies to decouple America's economy from dependence on the China uh, manufacturing was the right thing to do. So three uh, three cheers for the trade war. And Trump was over in India yesterday attending a business roundtable and made this comment with regard to the coronavirus. Uh, I think that's a problem that's going to go away, but we lost almost a thousand points yesterday on the market. And that's something, you know, things like that happen where and you have it in your business all the time had nothing to do with you. It's an outside uh, source that nobody would have ever predicted. If you go back six months or three months ago, nobody would have ever predicted. But let's see. I think it's going to be under control. So on Rush Limbaugh's show yesterday, he was predicting that the Democrats will try to weaponize the coronavirus outbreak uh, against Donald Trump. And there is certainly every every reason to believe that they will do that. They will uh, stop at nothing at their desperation to get power. They they don't care about the national security or the economy. They would be perfectly happy for the economy to crash if they thought that it would stand uh, that they it would um, make them stand a better chance of winning the twenty twenty elections. Here's old Chucky Schumer who took to the Senate yesterday to try to blame the coronavirus on Trump. Well, the World Health Organization has now reported that there are 79,000 cases of coronavirus across at least 30 countries, at least 53 confirmed cases here in the United States. As the virus continues to spread, the global economy is already beginning to suffer. All of the warning lights are flashing bright red. We are staring down a potential pandemic, and the administration has no plan. We have a crisis of coronavirus, and President Trump has no plan. Well, uh, the president does have a plan. He is uh, he is taking steps to uh, screen travelers coming into the United States. I would I would argue that uh, they need to shut down uh, the flights in to the United States from effective areas. But at this point, the coronavirus has escaped containment. So even after Trump did ban flights. From China, uh, it's hard to know where the coronavirus is going to come up next. But the larger question is here, the irresponsibility of the Democrat Party and most particularly Chuck Schumer right there. You know, this is a time to not play politics. This this is a time of national emergency. 
And the fact that he would take it to the Senate floor and try to politicize it just shows you how cynical and unreliable uh, the Democrats are as far as uh, putting America first. And I guess you had to, uh, you know, responding to Limbaugh, try to figure out who would who would be a better manager in a crisis. Do you think any of these Democrat candidates, all of whom I guess Pete Buttigieg and uh, Bloomberg have actually managed cities, but uh, none of the others have any executive experience at all. Certainly uh, Bernie Sanders, who's the odds on favorite to win the nomination now, he, he wouldn't be considered by any reasonable person as a better person to have in charge during a time of national crisis. He would be out there trying to figure out how to, um, to, to use it to further the government takeover of every sector of the American economy. And he's, you know, he's, he's pushing this national health care plan that's going to give everybody a lot of concern over whether or not uh, that could possibly be successful at all. Hey, man, run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Check out our products we've got over there for you. We've got the banana bag oral solution uh, that replaces a need for an IV. If you suffer from diabetes or um, other medical conditions that uh, leave you dehydrated and sometimes land you in the hospital, this is a great product that can save you from that. If you work out or uh, work hard, and uh, sometimes feel run down or dehydrated from that. Uh, this is a great product to keep in your medicine chest or just to take every day. It's got a, a battery of B-complex and C-complex vitamins, the same type that you get in an injection when you're feeling run down. It will restore you to feeling like your old self in no time at all. We've got free shipping and uh, same-day shipping. And you can get this over at AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Well, yesterday, old Harvey Weinstein was found guilty in that Manhattan courtroom of the lesser counts that he was charged with. It sort of reads like a compromise verdict. He he skated on the most uh, on the charges that he could have served the longest time for, but he. He did get found guilty of some of the lesser charges that could land him in jail from five to, I think they said, uh, uh, 24 years at one point. So I've got concerns about this verdict because the three women that, that testified all continued a relationship with Harvey Weinstein afterwards and spoke glowingly about him to friends. And apparently, um, there was no physical uh, force used in any of these incidences. What what Harvey Weinstein deployed was coercion that he would destroy their careers if he if they didn't submit to his perverted requests. And I think a grown woman pay, uh, faced with that type of coercion uh, should should tell him to go to hell and walk away and and go to the nearest news paper and uh and blow the whistle but i'm not in that position obviously and i know that these women desperately desperately want to be famous actresses like many of the other women that uh 
succumb to Harvey Weinstein's casting couch. And so, uh, so I really have no sympathy for Harvey Weinstein. He is a disgusting excuse of a human being. I hope he loses his entire fortune because <clears throat> these criminal charges will most certainly be followed up by a whole raft of civil lawsuits. And, and the only problem I have with that is I hate to see Gloria Allred or Lisa Bloom be able to continue their, their hashtag Me Too racket. But uh, but I hope Harvey Weinstein ends up destitute. And I hope that at some point, some of these celebrities that facilitated Harvey Weinstein and turned a blind eye to what was going on are held accountable as well. Here's a clip. Now, Harvey Weinstein's predations on young aspiring starlets in Washington were, was no secret. And it was no secret that many of these women uh, that you see uh, nominated for and getting Oscars, in fact, Rose, you know, got their parts in Weinstein's movies by uh, by capitulating to Harvey's perverted requests. Here's a clip. Uh, Most of these are taken right off the stage at the Oscars. I'd like to thank Harvey Weinstein. Um, the Punisher, that's his nickname. The Punisher, yes. Harvey, if I keep thanking you in public, people will think we're having an affair. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, if you're uh, choosing sides in the playground before a scrap, I would like to have Harvey Weinstein and Graham King on my side. Harvey Weinstein, Bob Weinstein, God bless them. My friends at Miramax for making this film, especially Harvey. And, um, Harvey, thank you for killing whoever you had to kill to get me up here today. Um, and to Harvey Weinstein, the, uh, the tough guy on the playground with the biggest heart. Thank you for saying you do anything for your friends, and you always do. Thank you. And then Harvey Weinstein. And Harvey Weinstein. Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Everyone. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein. I want to thank Harvey and Bob Weinstein. My agent, Kevin Uvain, and God, Harvey Weinstein. I'm not going to play that whole clip. It goes on for another minute and a half. You've got all of these Hollywood starlets and, and actors as well coming up there, turning a blind eye and facilitating Harvey Weinstein's uh, disgusting cat casting couch. And uh, the thing to say about that is you got to keep in mind, these are the same Hollywood celebrities that uh, condemn the rest of us and call us amoral and, and, um, and low lives constantly insulting us at the same time. Uh, they are, are keeping this, uh, this secret that allows the continued victimization of, uh, of young women that come to Hollywood uh, trying to be stars. Ricky Gervais, who will never, ever be asked to host the Oscars, had this to say when he did host the, the Glo- Golden Globes this year, which also will be the last time he ever hosts that show. Last one, last one. Come on, guys. Our next presenter starred in Netflix's Bird Box. A movie where people survive by acting like they don't see a thing. 
Sort of like working for Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> you did it. You, I didn't. You did it. <laughs> so you would think that uh, the Hollywood celebrities would be somewhat chastened and, and, and realize that they have no standing as any sort of moral authority to be condemning the rest of us for voting for a, a, a president that is restoring the economy and finally bringing jobs back. But no, they won't learn their lessons because they believe that they are indeed better than you and me. And this Harvey Weinstein thing just shows, uh, shows the whole truth of the matter. Here's Dagan McDowell, who is one of my favorite hosts on Fox, uh, talking about this case. I just want to point out one thing. I hope that these reporters, everyone keeps digging into the circle of people around Harvey Weinstein throughout Hollywood, throughout politics, who covered this up literally for decades. He was able to get away with it because people either knew and helped him basically destroy women's lives and helped him continue to sexually assault women year after year after year, or that they just looked away because he was benefiting their careers or he was benefiting their pocketbooks. And that includes a lot of Democrats. Looking at you, Oprah Winfrey. Looking at you, Gail King. Looking at you, Hillary Clinton and, and Bill Clinton. As a matter of fact, here's a clip. Harvey Weinstein bragging about his his decades-long friendship with the Clintons. Privilege of knowing the president for 20 years. And I just wanted to tell you that um, how I really got to know the president really well. Some of you don't know because there wasn't a Senate confirmation hearing. This was done rather privately. I was the chief projectionist at the White House from 1992 to 2000. And I'm going to tell you, the president and I saw so many movies together. I'm not kidding, by the way. The, you know, we saw so many movies together. Some of mine, like Goodwill Hunting, and I remember seeing The Harmonist and so many great films with the president. We even built a little, on vacation, we even built a little portable screening room for the president. So the Clintons were close personal friends, went on vacation with Harvey Weinstein, close personal friends, went on vacations with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, how much more do you need to see to realize, or I, I know the listeners on this show realize it, but how much more do the Democrats need to see to realize that the Clintons are deeply evil people? Not only are they responsible for all of these perversions and destroying women who, who tried to step forward and accuse Bill Clinton, but they're the, the source of this Russiagate hoax that has caused this nation so much misery and set us back for these last three years. But I will, I will make a bet with you right now that then probably before Harvey Weinstein even gets out of jail, uh, these Hollywood elites will go right back to applauding him at the Academy Awards. If you don't believe me, look how they cheat. Uh, they treat Roman Polanski, a child rapist, who fled the country and is still on the run, has never paid for what he did to that 14-year-old girl. They praise him from the stage at the Oscars just about every year. And they'll do it with Harvey Weinstein, too. There will be an effort to rehabilitate Harvey Weinstein. I have no doubt that they'll come out and, and try to uh, blame the victims. But here's the, the, 
the dirty little secret. If you've got a, a son or a daughter, especially a child actor that uh, dreams of Hollywood stardom, know that the casting couch has been and will continue to be a key part of how they get uh, they get parts in Hollywood. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the latest developments in the South Carolina primary. Looks like old Joe Biden is, uh, is in free fall, and Bernie Sanders is looking like the odds-on favorite to win again. You're going to hear two messages, and then we'll be right back, right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Daily Journal of News, Politics, and Culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, the Democrat Party is now the Socialist Party as old Bernie Sanders continues to crush the Democrats' establishment. South Carolina is supposed to be Joe Biden's firewall, but it turns out old Joe might have been a little too confident. When Joe Biden uh, announced that he was running for president, he, he enjoyed uh, about a, a 44% support in South Carolina. That number is now down to 27%. And Bernie Sanders has, has outperformed old Joe Biden in promising the Democrat voters in South Carolina free stuff. And now Joe Biden's down to 27%, and Bernie Sanders is nipping at his heels. He's within the margin of error, polling at uh, 23% in a poll uh, that has a plus or minus margin of error of six points. And uh, Tom Steyer is at 15%. Tom Steyer is exercising the tried and true Democrat method of vote getting called walking around money. He is spreading money uh, to the black a community in South Carolina, and he's got about 15% of the vote. 
But Biden's whole shtick was that he was the electable one, that he was the one that could beat Donald Trump. And the Democrats are desperate to beat Donald Trump, but that whole uh, aura of electability has collapsed as Joe Biden came in fifth place in Iowa, fourth place in New Hampshire, and had a very poor showing out in Nevada where Bernie Sanders just crushed him and had well over twice of his uh, of his vote total. So we've got the uh, uh, another Democrat debate coming up tonight, and then we have the the South Carolina uh, primary on Saturday. And there's every reason to believe old Joe Biden is uh, is is going to go down to defeat again, and it's pro- partially because he keeps running around saying stupid stuff saying things that uh, I would find, uh, if I were a black voter in South Carolina, deeply offensive. This whole open borders stick that the Democrats have got going on are damaging the economic prospects of black people more than any other group. And Biden's out there on the trail saying things like this. Once again, legalize all the DACA students. These DACA students are more Americans than most Americans are. No, I'm serious. Think about it. Think about it. These uh, these uh, illegal alien children are even more American than you are. And if you're um, if you're someone that's being forced, you know, in the trades or uh, in uh, the uh, college admissions or anything else to compete directly with these illegal aliens, haven't Joe Biden out there saying that they're more American than you? I would think would be deeply insulting. But old Bernie Sanders has uh, has outdone Joe Biden in the Democrats' favorite election strategy, offering to give away free stuff. He came out with a brand-new trillion-dollar plan yesterday, and that is to offer free child care and free pre-K to every child in America. Just like Marxists throughout history, he wants the government to be responsible for raising the children and uh and um, and inculcating them with the proper Marxist ideologies. So Bernie Sanders has now offered free health care, free child care, free college and forgiveness of uh, any college loans. He's offering a a. a a government job to everybody that wants one at a minimum wage of $15 an hour. He's offered housing as a human right. You have a human right to housing. Wants to get all in on this green new deal. So, you know, we're going to, we're not going to have, um, gas powered cars. There's going to be no oil drilling. It's going to destroy that segment of the economy. No fracking. Wants open borders with free health care for illegal aliens. Anybody who can get into the country and he's going to tear down the wall. And he's going to do that by taxing the rich, he says. He doesn't want you to know that you could take 100% of all the rich people's money in this country. You would kill the goose that laid the golden egg and then you still would not be able to pay for these tens of trillions of dollars. I, I think it's up around estimates are up around uh, 70 
trillion dollars to pay for all of these programs. Tim Scott is the uh, the senator from South Carolina. The I think he's the junior senator from South Carolina, and he's got his pulse on the the black vote there. And he was sitting down with Gail King at CBS and had this to say. Do you think that Bernie Sanders is the biggest threat to President Trump right now? I do think so. I would say that the biggest threat to President Trump is President Trump. What do you, if, mean, what do you mean by that? Well, if he's on his game, as he was at the State of the Union, I don't think there's a candidate in the country that can beat him. If there is a second choice other than himself, it would be Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders brings that outside game in a similar fashion that President Trump did in 2016. Think about the similarities. In 2016, Republican leadership Republican wisdom said that there's no way in the world out of the 17 candidates Donald Trump will exactly. be the president this year. In some way it seems to mimic this to me. I think What's it's happening a, with Bernie very Sanders. similar yeah. and the, the tea leaves suggest that the Democrat Party is looking for every way to stop Bernie Sanders from winning even if he has the plurality which I think would cause an implosion on the foundation of the Democrat Party. You think Bernie Sanders would be the hardest candidate for Donald Trump to beat, and who would be the easiest? The easiest would be Mike Bloomberg. So uh, you don't know whether or not Tim Scott is engaging in the same sort of skullduggery that Donald Trump is when he he, uh, excites the Bernie supporters by pointing out that the Democrat establishment plans to steal this nomination from him again. Uh, The theory there is that Donald Trump wants to face Bernie Sanders in the general election. I'm not so sure that, uh, that that's the best strategy. I think, uh, I think he could beat Michael Bloomberg, uh, easier, just like Tim Scott said there. And I think that, um, you know, this, this offer of free stuff has been successful throughout history. You can, uh, cultivate class warfare and convince people that they have a, an absolute right to all of these things, uh, free health care, free housing, free government job, all of these things. And that's how economies are destroyed by eliminating the motivation to get out, get your butt out of bed in the morning and go to work. But there's a never Sanders movement now in the Democrat Party, very similar to what there was in the Republican Party in 2016 with the never Trump movement. And they're all citing that now. The The big difference there is that despite his uh, blunt statements and uh, plain talk, Donald Trump was really not that far out of the mainstream of the Republican Party. Yes, he was going against the Democrat establishment, but he was going uh, the Republican establishment, but he was going against the Republican establishment for failing repeatedly ever since Ronald Reagan to implement the policies that they ran on every four years. Donald Trump was right of center, but not outside of the mainstream. And and that's proven by the fact that he gets, he enjoys 90% support among Republican voters. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, is not even in the, Democrat leftist mainstream. He is way out there on the edge. And I wish people would stop calling him socialist and start calling him what he is. He's a committed Marxist. And you wonder why none of these uh, other Democrats 
are playing these clips that James O'Keefe and Project Veritas captured of these Bernie bros spouting communist revolution ideology inside his campaign, paid staffers. I'm going to play you about a one-minute clip to remind you of that. A lot of the stories told about the gulags in the Soviet Union are exaggerated. That's a re-education camp. And Bernie Sanders is is promoting free education and that the gulags will be part of it because we got to train people how to not be Nazis. I hope you were able to understand most of that clip. The sound was kind of poor, but uh, you, you have one committed communist after another spouting violence and a takeover of the economy and uh, assassin or um, executing political dissidents of their communist revolution, their Marxist revolution. And you just wonder if any of these Democrats are going to trot out any of these clips. I guarantee you, if we get to the general election and Bernie Sanders is the nominee for the Democrats, that the Trump campaign and many of the Republican PACs will be running those clips on a loop. And none of this can be taken in a vacuum because, as a matter of fact, a Bernie bro, James T. Hodgkinson, attempted mass murder on Republican members of Congress. This, uh, this debate come Saturday night is going to be hilarious to watch. So Joe Biden, he's now uh, claiming that um, what, what, what he's trying to do is lower expectations in South Carolina so that even if he lose, loses South Carolina, he won't step aside or be um, called to step aside to make way for Minnie Mike. And he's trying to lower expectations. Senator Bernie Sanders continued his victory lap after winning the jackpot in Nevada. We won the Nevada caucus. And don't tell anybody, because these folks get very, very agitated and nervous. We're going to win here in Texas. Not the surging front runner looked towards Super Tuesday. I think it's going to be Bernie and me. Former Vice President Joe Biden focused on the more immediate task at hand. The African-American community in South Carolina can make a judgment about who the next president of the United States is going to be. Shoring up African-American support in South Carolina, where Sanders appears to be gaining. Bernie Sanders, can you stop him? I told you I'm not going to play this game with you. I don't know. It's not about who I stop. It's why I'm running. (laughs) I don't know if I can stop Bernie Sanders, says Joe Biden, who was previously claiming that South Carolina was going to be his firewall. 
he is he's now on TV claiming that he never said it. Here's a clip from CNN where they're mocking old Joe for his latest gaffe. Worked yet. And Melanie, it's South Carolina is really important, not just for Bernie Sanders. It's really important for Vice President Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, here he is. Uh, a lot of people saying he needs to win South Carolina or his campaign's dead. Uh, take a listen. South Carolina, though, was your firewall. You said it my firewall. I've never the said The campaign it. has no, said it's your firewall. No, it's not fire. I said I'm going to do well there. Biden just said, I've never said that South Carolina was his firewall. Was Is that is that true? Hmm. And I think I have a real firewall in South Carolina. <laughs> so the, the hypocrisy so, of all the candidates, yeah. there are receipts and tapes I for mean, everything they say. Hey, look, I understand you don't want to set expectations and then not, not meet them, but I mean, he did say it was his firewall. He did say that, and perhaps he's trying to downplay it because there are serious cracks in that firewall. And make no mistake, Biden... His whole electability strategy has collapsed. And now you've got Bernie Sanders out there outdoing him, promising to give away free stuff. And uh, and my prediction, you heard it here first, is Bernie Sanders will win the primary in South Carolina. Well, uh, on the positive side of the ledger, uh, it turns out that as of yesterday, Donald Trump appointees to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals out in San Francisco, that leftist bastion where all of the uh, leftist lawyers run to get one of these nationwide injunctions preventing Donald Trump from implementing his policies is now uh, on the verge of being flipped from a far leftist district circuit to uh, a more conservative circuit. And, and Donald Trump is appointing young Highly respected, excellent jurists to the bench out there, while the uh, Democrat-appointed jurists are getting up in age. Here's a clip of Kerry uh, Servino, a legal analyst, appearing on Fox News, describing what's going on. Hey, what was your reaction to this? He flipped that court. <laughs> Yeah, well, he hasn't flipped it entirely. When he came into into office, the notoriously liberal Ninth Circuit, people call it the Ninth Circus, so out, out to lunch, had 11 more Democrat appointees than, than Republicans. Now that margin is down to three. So he hasn't fully flipped it, but practically speaking, he has. I think there probably is a shockwave going through the court, but it's because it's the first time the rule of law has been cited in the Ninth Circuit for decades. Now, how significant is this? I know that Trump has 10 appointments and Obama, in his course of his eight years, seven, seven appointments. So this is pretty significant, right? Oh, yeah, it has a huge impact. And the Ninth Circuit is historically the most overturned by the Supreme Court. It's where you go as a liberal litigant if you just want an easy win. So that has really uh, stopped in the tracks a lot of this liberal judicial activism. And some of the nominees to that circuit are one of some of the most exceptional, um, really experienced litigators, states, uh, state solicitors, generals, etc. So it is having a huge impact on the culture of that circuit, I think. And I think it's got a lot of the liberal judges running scared. If they spent half as much time trying to come up with a correct legal result in cases rather than complaining about their colleagues to the LA times, I think we'd be better off. The, uh, the, the liberal justices are out there violating the, the judicial code of ethics and speaking about what's going on on the ninth circuit and, uh, and just further exposing that, you know, their, uh, their bias, but Donald Trump now with the able assistance 
of Mitch McConnell has appointed a fully one third of the federal federal judiciary. And if Donald Trump gets another four years and the Republicans hold the Senate, we can put this country back on track to have constitutionally based rulings from the federal judiciary. And that's why the stakes, what's one of the reasons, many reasons that the stakes are so high in this upcoming election. Hey, we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209-800-957-6209-800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. So we've got the uh, second Democrat debate that Michael Bloomberg will take part in. It is absolutely critical to Joe Biden's uh, uh, continued campaign. If he loses South Carolina, there are going to be widespread calls for him to drop out and uh, clear the the so-called moderate lane which is a misnomer for many Mike also happening today is judge Amy Berman Jackson, the radical uh, judge that is somehow just out of sheer luck of the draw, gotten almost every case that Robert Mueller uh, generated with regard to this Russia gate hoax. She's got a hearing set for 2 PM where she's going to hear Roger Stone's motion for a new trial because of juror misconduct. I have very little doubt that she will rule in favor of Roger Stone and then Roger Stone will uh, uh, go to jail and uh, he'll be left to appeal from there or get a pardon from this president. We pretty much know how Amy Berman Jackson is going to rule because, um, you know, she went ahead with the sentencing hearing while this motion for a new trial was pending. So I've got a clip here. It's kind of a long clip. It runs almost three minutes of Tucker Carlson, the great Tucker Carlson, talking about Amy Berman Jackson. Stone's sentence was delivered by an Obama-appointed judge called Amy Berman Jackson. Now, you often hear people complain that our justice system has been infected by politics. Amy Berman Jackson is living proof that it has been. She's an open partisan who has so flagrantly violated the bounds of constitutional law and fairness that it's shocking she's still on the bench. If there's anyone in Washington who deserves to be impeached, it's Amy Berman Jackson. During the Mueller investigation, she placed both Rick Gates and Paul Manafort under house arrest pending their trials. Both were middle-aged men with no criminal history. Neither was a flight risk. Meanwhile, at this very moment tonight, countless violent predators in New York and California walk free without even posting bail. 
but Jackson wanted to punish Gates and Manafort before they'd even been convicted of anything, and she did. Ultimately, she revoked Manafort's bail and placed him in jail in solitary confinement. But Jackson has reserved her real fury for Roger Stone. At sentencing today, she declared that Stone, quote, was prosecuted for covering up for the president, end quote. Now, CNN let the claim pass without comment, but anyone who'd been watching was baffled because that's totally untrue. Nobody connected to the president has ever been charged with a crime related to spying for Russia or colluding with Russia, much less convicted of one. Stone wasn't prosecuted for covering up anything. That was not the charge. That is not what he was sentenced for. Amy Jackson knows that. She lied about it. In other words, here you have a federal judge lying about the case before her. Scary? Yes, it is scary. Roger Stone's entire journey into Kafka, partisan prosecutors, partisan jury foreman, partisan judge, could not have been more fraudulent or dishonest. It's hard to believe it happened in America or that a ruling class is applauding it, and they are. That ought to worry everyone who cares about equal justice on both sides. If they can do this to Roger Stone and win accolades from CNN as they do, they can certainly do it to you. Maybe someday they will. Stone hasn't reported to prison yet. He'd be on the show right now to respond, but he can no longer speak in public. Amy Berman Jackson has revoked his First Amendment rights. The entire Democratic Party and their servants in the press can defame Stone at will, and they are, relentlessly. But if Stone dares to express his own opinion, Amy Berman Jackson will send him to jail immediately. She said that. She's banned him from speaking publicly about the case in any way. He can't tweet or write on Facebook, no social media. He can't do television. He can't speak to reporters. He cannot even express himself indirectly. If Roger Stone asked a friend or a family member to deliver a statement on his behalf, he would be violating Judge Jackson's order. Notice we won't say violating the law because it's not the law. No judge can abolish the freedom of speech. It is inherent. Instead, what you're watching is the capricious authoritarianism of a Democratic activist wearing robes. It's terrifying, and it's being done purely for political ends. The real scandal that's not been covered in the media is how Amy Berman Jackson has assigned each and every one of these cases when they come to Washington, D.C. They're supposed to be assigned uh, by a, a luck of the draw. You're supposed to uh, assign the next judge up, but she's gotten all of these cases. Well, while we've got a little time left, I want to cover a story that I, I meant to cover yesterday, um, and that is it's been about – uh, 40 years ago now, exactly 40 years ago on February 22nd, that the U.S. Olympic hockey team pulled out off one of the greatest upsets in sport hi sports history by defeating the powerhouse Soviet Union hockey team on 4-3 to three to win the gold medal uh, at the Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. Now, there's been a lot of coverage of this, but what's been missing of the coverage is to put it in any context, and a, a lot of uh, people that, you know, grew up, came of age after this, don't understand the context. And the context is, back in those days, American Olympic teams were made of, up of amateurs. This was before they put NHL players on our national hockey team or NBA players on our Olympic basketball team and allowed Venus Williams and, and other American uh, athletes to compete in tennis. Back then, our Olympic teams were made up of amateurs, and the 
1980 Olympic hockey team was made up of a, a bunch of uh, college all-stars that never had played in the NHL. And they weren't even all all-stars from the, from the college ranks. And they were going up against a, a Soviet team that was made up of professional hockey players. They were all, uh, they all played hockey for a living. They were members of the uh, Soviet Red Army, but their job was to play hockey. And they regularly played against NHL teams and regularly beat them. As a matter of fact, it was only one year prior to the 1980 Olympics in 1979 that the Soviet Red Army hockey team played a, a series, a best two out of three, against a team made up of NHL All-Stars. Just one year before, the U.S. Olympic hockey team made up of amateurs defeated the Soviets' Olympic hockey team. The Red Army team beat a team made up of NHL All-Stars in two out of three. It was called the... uh, 1979 Challenge Cup. You had to go over to Wiki and look it up. And then one year later, this upstart group of college kids beat that same uh, Red Army team. Here's a clip and a walk down memory lane. Now Petrov controls back to Harlemov. Skating in on the left side. Into the American end, 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in, out in front, backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got a piece of, piece of it. Mikhailov, back out to Billy Legendov. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow, checked into the boards, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3, to three. long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlemont. Shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. The election off gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow. Up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in that? If you want to treat yourself to one of the greatest sporting events in history, go back and watch the tape from the 1980 Olympic Hockey Championship. That takes us to the end. Thanks for joining us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.